Hello and welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the College Sports Hive. That's Leaf. I'm Scott, and we're here to talk news this week and, and what you all need to know heading into this week of college basketball, the college basketball season. Um, we're, we're, we're narrowing our way down. It is March now, so um, we're, we're approaching the end of the, the season, and, and we've got a few games left left to get to, but um, it's, it's coming down to the wire. we got postseason play coming up. We're, we're really looking forward to that. But, but with that being said, we, we do have some news to get to for, for this week in, in particular. Um, and let's jump in and, and start talking things right away. We'll, we'll, we'll get to our top fives. We'll get to our player performances of the week. We'll get to our individual performances of the week. We'll give you our list of news and then uh, talk AP rankings as well here today. All right, so let's let's hear your top five and, and some reasoning as to why you have some of these teams where you do. And, and I think we're going to be pretty similar on, on where we're viewing things right now. Yeah, I, um, when I compiled this, I, I did it Sunday night before the AP poll came out, but I, I have the exact same as what the AP poll is. I've got Gonzaga number one, Michigan number two, Baylor number three, Illinois number four, and Iowa number five. Um, so I think the Michigan leap of Baylor because Michigan's played very well recently and Baylor just lost their first game uh, makes sense. And, and, and I'm all aboard. The Michigan is an elite team train and we, we kind of started getting there after their win against Ohio state. Um, and, and we thought they could even play better. Illinois did have a loss last week, but I was also impressed by their ability to, to win without uh, Io DeSumo. Um, so I kept them kind of holding serve, but they moved up a little bit as Ohio state went down. And then the team that beat Ohio state was Iowa or one of the teams that beat Ohio state last week was Iowa. And um, they were the only team kind of in that five through 10 range that didn't lose. Uh, they, they did lose, they lost to Michigan, but they didn't lose another game or, or a worse game. Um, so I thought that was a pretty appropriate number five. And I feel like these are, these are pretty solid top five as, as we, we kind of come up with the same stuff as the AP and that, that usually indicates that it's a, a pretty clear cut number five, top five. Yeah, I'd, I'd absolutely agree with that. Um, I have the exact same five teams in the exact same order. Um, Gonzaga number number one, Michigan number two, Baylor three, Illinois four, and Iowa five. Um, I think, I think kind of all along, I've viewed Michigan, Illinois, and Iowa as the three best teams in the Big Ten. Um, Ohio State has been able to jump in and out of the that position a couple times with, but with a couple losses last week, they've fallen a little bit out of that as of right now, um, kind of limping towards the finish line, I would say, but, but I really love what um, I've seen out of the top three, Gonzaga, Michigan and Baylor, even though Baylor did lose last week for the first time this season, um, coming off of a very long pause and a very different pause um, than, than what Michigan had um, with eight players from Baylor having COVID-19 and Michigan was paused for, for so long due to, precautions, not necessarily members of their team having COVID-19. So um, definitely a different effect there. And and we saw that last week when we saw Baylor retake the floor, they didn't look like themselves. So um, I'm expecting them to get back to where we originally view them. Um, I, I expect nothing less than that. But um, with that being said, they have a huge test tonight against West Virginia. Um, and so, yes, it's going to be fantastic to to see that and see how they kind of bounce back from that. So those are my five. And, and I think it's pretty clear cut this week as to who the, who the best five teams in the country are. All right. So with that being said, let's give some individual, uh, some, some team awards first, excuse me. And let's talk your team of the week and who had the best week in, in your eyes. 
I'm going with Oklahoma State. They had two overtime wins against ranked teams, both on the road last week against um, Texas Tech in Lubbock. And then they were able to top um, Oklahoma in the Bedlam rivalry in Norman. And then, as we saw, uh, we saw Oklahoma State defend that in Stillwater. And so they've won three straight games against teams that were ranked very highly in the Big 12. They're really coming along. And this is a team that we kind of were saying, oh, man, Cade Cunningham's so good that he can win them a few games. And uh, they'll, they'll be a scary seven seed. I don't think this is any, any longer a scary seven seed. This is a scary team period um, that I think could be a top four seed and really make it run because they're playing super determined basketball and they have a star that, that's just polarizing. He, uh, he makes teams defend him. And then he, if those other guys are hitting shots, good luck beating Oklahoma state because they really try hard. They run, they create turnovers. And so, yeah, Oklahoma state's my t- team of the week. And this is a team I expect to make a huge leap in next week's poll, especially if they're able to win again, a couple more of these difficult games they have coming up against Baylor. And uh, I want to say West Virginia. Yeah, definitely. Um, we'll get to that individual performance for, for you and Kate Cunningham here in a bit. Um, but with that being said, Oklahoma state's looked amazing. I, I saw the last after that win, um, their the bracketology has them currently sitting at a four seed, which is kind of incredible with with where they've done. They've they've won three straight games against um, against top top twenty five teams. It's always an incredible feat. Kind of a similar run we saw Oklahoma go on earlier this year, but this is coming at the absolute perfect time for them um, to really have all the momentum coming down the stretch in Big Twelve play to go into the postseason. Um, I'm going to go with Arkansas, and I think that's pretty much the second place team of the week because Oklahoma state is definitely um, definitely in my eyes had a better week, but Arkansas also beat um, Alabama, which was their biggest matchup thus far this season. Um, they played them at Arkansas and the energy in there. We talked about it a couple of different times. It was, it was really good. Arkansas played a great game um, and, and they were able to beat Alabama who is the, the leader right now on the sec standing. So um, anytime that that's, that's possible, it's a huge win for, for them. Um, and then they followed that up with a with a win over LSU, who we've talked about multiple different times, is probably going to make the NCAA tournament. And they're just so explosive offensively that that they can beat um, anyone at, on any given night. And, and they held the Tigers to just 75 points. So so good week for Arkansas. Um, and and let's go down and and, and hear hear about your your thoughts on Cade, Cade Cunningham and, and his why he earns your performance of the week individually. Yeah, Cade Cunningham, aside from just being outstanding all year, and in my opinion, first team All American, I think this was his best uh, week and showing that he can, he, all he wants to do is win and he'll do, get it done in, in different ways. Um, so he, the, the standout performance, he had 40 points and 11 rebounds in a win against Oklahoma in Norman. He followed that up uh, playing a great game last night that wasn't necessarily a, a game where you're like, wow, his stats pop off the page, but you just felt his impact. And then he also against Texas Tech, their notably stingy defense had 20 points, five rebounds and, and a few assists. Uh, he, he's phenomenal. He, he's the engine that makes them tick. At the end of the game, he, he's a closer. He, he closes, uh, made, made the free throws at the end of the games both times, 40 points against, uh, against a league opponent, especially of the caliber of guards that Oklahoma has. Um, and I thought one of my biggest takeaways was actually Elijah Harkless, the guy guarding Cade for the most part. Wow. He does a good job. And then Cade scores 40. Like uh, that typically doesn't happen to me when I'm thinking someone's playing great defense. I don't think it, they often are given uh, put 40 on. Um, so yeah, Cade Cunningham's phenomenal. And, and I'm excited for you to go shout out to the guy you've got written here because he's, he's been balling all year. Yeah. Cade is, Cade is a monster. I expect him to be, um, 
number one overall pick in the NBA draft, if not um, top two. Um, Evan Mobley might have something to say about that as well from, from USC. But but yeah, I've got Antoine Davis. He plays for the Detroit Mercy Titans, which who, who are out of the Horizon Conference. Um, he scored 46 points against Robert Morris and added in five assists and two rebounds and two steals as well. So not only 46 points, but contributed in a bunch of other ways. Um, they This was um, in route to an 83-73 win over Robert Morris, which they've now beaten in three consecutive games. So that's a very impressive feat um, in, in general for for the for the mercy for Detroit Mercy, um, he's averaging 24.3 points per game this season, which is just a cr- crazy clip for for college basketball. Um, so definitely, guys, you, sh- you should keep your eye on. He's not playing in a marquee conference, but but those those smaller conferences in the game of basketball also provide a whole lot of talent and and definitely someone who could who could come on down the stretch and 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 make some make some big news, make some big noise. Some, yeah, it's just awesome to see people like this in a team that probably not a lot of people heard of outside of Detroit, the Detroit area, the Detroit Mercy Titans have, have such a competitor. Yeah. I mean, I don't care what league you're in high school, even intramurals scoring for 46 in a game and, and leading your team to victory is pretty ridiculous. And then he's, he's top five in, in scoring on the season. So He's doing it consistently. This isn't just a random outburst, not an overtime game or any anything. He 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 puts up buckets, and sometimes sometimes that's, that's all the basketball boils down to: who can get you buckets. And, and we're seeing guys like uh, like him really thrive and and have futures in the league, even if even if it's small school. Yeah, definitely, I'd agree with that. All right, so let's jump down to rankings. We had 18 ranked teams lose this past week, so there's going to be a lot of big changes up and down. Um, Leaf will take us through some of the big movers here in a bit, but our top 10 as of right now are Gonzaga is number one, Michigan's number two, Baylor is number three, Illinois is number five, and Iowa is uh, excuse me, Illinois is number four, and Iowa is number five. I don't, I don't know if I did that just completely wrong, but, but those are uh, the five you, teams. You were good. You're, you're good after half right. of the Illinois. <laughs> Sorry about that. Five top five are Gonzaga, Michigan, Baylor, Illinois, and Iowa. Um, those are the exact five that we had in our top fives. Like we mentioned, we do believe this is kind of the clear cut um, cream of the crop in, in college basketball as of right now. Um, some, some teams sitting on the fringe of the top five, but routing out the top 10 are number six, West Virginia, number seven, Ohio State, who we mentioned dropped some games last week. Um, number eight is Alabama, who lost to Arkansas. And number nine is Houston. And number 10 is Villanova, who has a big game this week with Creighton, their second of two matchups. So let's let's talk biggest. Well, let's first give me your thoughts on, on these top on this top 10 and, and then take us through some some movers when, when you get a chance. Yeah, so my initial thoughts is the top five looks looks great. Like like we talked about, West Virginia, I think, is the most deserving team to move up. But I, I feel like there's just a gap between five and six in this case. And it, and two things that I found to be very interesting are Ohio State was fourth. They lost three games in a row in the past, like, eight days um, before the poll came out. And uh, they only fell three spots. So that's one one spot per loss, which we've seen teams fall, like, eight spots for losses before. But that just is a testament to the depth of the Big Ten and the respect they, they, they have for Ohio State, considering what they did to get up to number four in the country. I um, mean, my second thought is some of these top 10 teams don't feel like top 10 teams to me anymore. Like, like Houston has had a few bad losses. Villanova lost to Butler, a Butler team that's really, you know, you've got, they've got a kind of a rich history for like what was kind of a mid-major school. But that's not a team Villanova should, should lose to this year if they're a top 10 team. And then, I don't know, it, it just feels, it feels a little weird for me to be, 
um, saying, wow, this is a top 10 team in which I feel like there's such a disparity from 10 to five um, or 10 to four, you know, that type of thing. It's usually closer in my eyes um, considering that we've had so much movement from, from the, you know, we've had the top three remained constant, but four, four, five, and then 10 should feel constant because they've kind of rotated, but I feel like there's a big, big disparity there, but that could just be me. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think a lot of uh, some of that can speak to some of the inconsistencies of the teams that we usually see up in those top tens of the rankings is some of the blue bloods that aren't even ranked. Um, it's just been kind of a weird year in terms of, of who's there and, and, and where they're at down the stretch. And then you have some of these conferences like the Big Ten and the Big 12 where where you can go one and one in a week. And it's a fantastic week because you've beaten a top 10 team. Um, so it's just it's different. It's it has a different feel. Um, it's very volatile. And, and I think it's very fitting for kind of the year that that 2020 slash 2021 has has been so far with with everything that's gone on in the world. Um, but but not to go too deep into what's happening in college basketball. It's just it's just been very volatile. And I think that's the best way that I can put it. And, and you're not necessarily seeing some of those cream of the crop teams that you expect to be inside the top 10, um, even even ranked. So I think that kind of throws off your persona even even that much further. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. You're used to having um, Duke, Kentucky, North Carolina, uh, you know, those teams, Michigan State, be top 10 teams all year. And, and when they fall out, you're like, wow, they suck. They're at number 12. And and this year we've seen we've seen them at, at not even ranked for the majority of the season. So so you're absolutely right. It's just it just feels weird because if a Duke team is ranked number seven, you still pick them as one of the favorites to win a tournament just because of the pedigree they've built. Same with North Carolina, same with even now like Virginia, Gonzaga, Villanova. And now we have Villanova at, at uh, 10 and we feel like they're weak and, and it may just be some recency bias, but it, but it also just feels like watching their basketball hasn't been what we're accustomed to. Um, and and if, if, unless you've got anything more, I can take us through some of those movers that we've got in here. Yep. Go for it. All righty. So, the, the biggest news in my eyes this week, uh, well, sorry, uh, I skipped skipped a line here. Um, Oklahoma State, which we our two big uh, teams of the week are the two biggest movers. We got Oklahoma State up nine spots from unranked to 17th, and they should, if they're able to win one more game this week, they, they might crack the top 10. Don't be surprised. Um, Arkansas is up eight spots from 20 to 12, another team that's bordering the top 10. Iowa's up four spots from ninth to fifth. West Virginia up four spots from 10th to sixth. And Kansas up four spots from 17th to 13th following their uh, big win over Baylor. On the, on the flip side, you've got Oklahoma had a tough week falling to a really a, a loss that, that kind of stunned me, losing to Kansas State, uh, falling nine spots, and then losing to Oklahoma State, uh, falling nine spots from 7th to 16th. Then we had Virginia fall six spots from 15th to 21st after a tough week losing uh, losing a few games to NC State as well as Duke. And then Virginia Tech also fell six spots from 16th to 22nd. I, I believe Georgia Tech uh, handed, handed them their defeat, and they were coming off a pause. So they've got a kind of a, a tough week, uh, tough welcome for playing a hungry Yellow Jackets team. But those are the biggest movers. And you have a few new additions to the, to the rankings. you got Purdue's back in there. You've got Wisconsin on the wall at 25. They fell again. Um, and, and we got those SEC teams that we thought, wow, how are they still in here are finally out of the, the poll. So a um, couple big movers, but there was, there was a lot of like small shakeups as well that weren't, weren't notable, but uh, there were 18 teams that, that lost that were ranked. So you're absolutely going to see movement. And w w those are, those are the biggest movers for you guys. Yeah, definitely. I, I 
I think the one that I think the two appropriate moves are, are Oklahoma State and Arkansas after two really good weeks and get, they got rewarded, um, which is which is great to see. Um, an interesting one to me is Iowa. I mean, I, I know that they looked really good against Ohio State and and that um, that 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 obviously weighed on 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 the AP poll and, and things like that. But, but they also only scored 57 points against, against Michigan and they lost a couple guys due to injury, which we can get to here in a little bit. Um, I do believe I was always one of the more dangerous teams in the country and, and I'm, I'm fine with it. It's just interesting to me that, that, that sort of, um, that, that, that wasn't, it didn't necessarily seem like that was taken into account that, that much in, in my eyes. Um, I really love the West Virginia move. I think that they are just completely on the rise. I've said it in a couple different episodes now. Um, what they're doing is, is really fun to see. So I'll look for, look for that one against, against Baylor coming up. Um, and, and yeah, I think those are really my only like thoughts about it personally. I, I respect all the moves down. Oklahoma had a rough week. Virginia had two losses. Virginia Tech's just been inconsistent throughout their entire season so far. Um, so not really too many head scratchers in, in my eyes. So I think we can turn our, our, our focus down to the news and, and I'll let you take us through some of these points and, and I'll interject when I have some, have some thoughts. All right. I got one off the top that I, that I want to discuss a little bit, just because you did mention that. So the, the news itself, I, I won't bury the lead here, here. Um, uh, Scott Drew said that COVID pauses are kryptonite and they caused the rusty Baylor. So but Baylor came off rust just for to refresh everyone's memory. They came off a long pause. They were, they were undefeated, arguably the best team in the country. Lots of people, including myself had them ranked above Gonzaga at number one because of the, their strength of playing the big 12 and how they were mostly crushing the opponents that are all top. I mean, there's seven teams that are top 17 in the nation and they were, they were not being tested by these teams. And then they get tested by an 0 13 Iowa state and then fall to Kansas. So Scott Drew says it was a kryptonite. And I, I, I think you made a great distinction that we talked about off air. And I think a little bit on air in one of our other episodes is that their pause was entirely different than Michigan's Michigan uh, feared that there was this, another strain of coronavirus and they were able to practice. They had no one get sick. Um, they were practicing. They, they were running. It's not game shape, but you're doing all you can. Baylor had eight players get it and then had to go play a game. And uh, as soon as they got off pause, you're not allowed to practice while you're in quarantine. Uh, and so I want to, for people who are saying like, oh, Michigan's a superior team than Baylor because they came off a pause and were able to win against a good Wisconsin team, um, as opposed to Baylor falling to a, a, a pretty, I'd say, I'd say Kansas is a pretty, pretty superior opponent to Wisconsin right now. But that, that distinction, I just wanted to kind of clarify that that's not exactly a one-to-one in my eyes. And I wanted to get your read on that as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've, it's been well documented throughout since this pandemic has, has started that, um, th- that COVID-19 affects people very differently. Um, and that's even more the case when, when no one, no one had tested positive for Michigan. They, they paused out of just complete, um, uh, what's the, like, just out of an Gosh. abundance of caution. Yeah, exactly. And so like, that's, that's just a completely different scenario for, for what happened here with, with Baylor. You had eight people test positive for COVID-19. That's, you, you think you probably have what, 16? Is that too many rostered players on for, 
for for a squad. Yeah, you probably have 15 players that are yeah. that are rostered, but only 12 on scholarship. And then even right. if you have 12 on scholarship, some are probably redshirting because right. Baylor redshirts a lot. So you've, you've got probably 10 players that have played all season o- over right. a, a set number of minutes. And and let's just say if they add a n- numerically, let's just say that's probably six of them had coronavirus. Yeah, we don't exactly. know which six, but like here, here's a thought that I had when I was watching. I was like, I wonder who looks tired. Cause I look, I watched that game and I saw that it was eight people. Cause that was kind of kept hidden. And then it was not after And Jared Butler didn't score. And that's an all American who, who didn't, who didn't score until like 10 minutes left. Am I saying that he for sure had it? Am I saying he got it worse than anyone else? I don't know, but like, it, it's hard to imagine for me that a Baylor team and a guy who scores 17 a game and is an all American candidate, a first round draft pick and all odds, just doesn't score that Davion Mitchell isn't going to be defending at the same level. Like he was letting people loose. I think that we need to be forgiving of Baylor and let them get back to their points uh, to their, the way they were playing. So I just wanted to bring that, that news up that Scott drew saying it's kryptonite isn't an excuse. Cause I've seen a lot of things on Twitter being like, Oh, Michigan got off and had no issues. And then they just kept rolling. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't write it off, write Baylor off at all. And, and in fact, I, I almost feel like that if they're able to get healthy here, this is a good thing because I'm no expert on coronavirus. I try my best to stay safe and everything, but you get immunity for a set amount of time. And, and you know what month it is now? It's March. So if they're immune come tournament time, I don't want to say it's a blessing that they got it because it definitely disrupted them, but it could be something that is good and then they don't have to have that worry of, oh man, if we play a conference tournament, we're going to be shut down again, as significant as a worry as that is. Yeah, and I think what you mentioned in, in that point is, is huge, is that we're not trying to discredit Baylor at all by saying like, oh, they had eight people test positive for COVID-19. Um, that's just the, the sports world that we signed that we all signed up for when we came back from from this pause we it's the risk that everyone takes when you suit up in in, in a game that you you bring fans into the arena um, you, it, you you are constantly around people these are these are college kids so um, so yeah it's it's the it's the risk that we all signed up for we're not saying it's it's anyway in their fault it, it it definitely affects people that's that's kind of the point that i wanted to to really drive home here is like these these kids like are in t- top tier shape and and we've heard a lot of the reports of, of how covid 19 affects people that aren't affects the elderly things like that but but like i've had my brother's had covid 19 and he's in a lot better shape than i am and he can just like physically say how tired that he just constantly was after after that he would go like walk around the block and he'd just be exhausted like it just it affects everyone differently and so with he, he's not making an excuse here that it is a kryptonite because let's be honest it's it's something that has been plaguing a lot of different people for for over a year now and so um yeah i i think i think we've kind of harped on this enough but but definitely it's it's one of those things where i don't feel like we're kind of of, of dragging on Baylor here for, for the fact that they have had or have COVID-19. Um, and, and I, I agree with you. I think coming down the stretch, like I expect them to get back to the point where they're playing very good basketball and, and that might take a few more games. Like we might see them have some more subpar performances for their standard, but, but that's okay. That's the, that's kind of the world that we're living in right now. Yeah, absolutely. And, and another example, just for people that, that are big sports fans, is Jason Tatum recently said that he he doesn't feel right while playing basketball. He, he's tired while running early in games that he no, doesn't even feel that tired when, he, when he'd play a full game in the playoffs. Um, so uh, it's a pandemic. It's, it's once in a once in a hundred years. Obviously, uh, this is something to be taken seriously. And, and we're, we're by no means saying that it, Baylor is at fault. And 
we just hope they're healthy and, and able to play good basketball by the end. Um, and speaking of good coaches with some, some accomplishments to their name, transitioning from Scott Drew from, to Roy Williams, Roy Williams was the fifth men's coach to hit 900 wins uh, in his defeat uh, in his toppling of Leonard Hamilton's Florida state team uh, in Chapel Hill. That was a big win, uh, not only for the Carolina program, but personally for Roy Williams. So props to Roy on that one and keeping it to um, some history uh, of college basketball. Uh, LeVon Squires of uh, Kansas University's first black men's basketball player has just passed away. And um, that was during Black History Month. So that was a big deal. And especially it coincided with Kansas's big win over Baylor and making it possible for so many um, African-American players to go through that Kansas program. So big shout out to, uh, to him and, and hope uh, his family and everyone um, that knew him is, is doing well and prayers and condolences, condolences to them. Um, uh, and another sad note here, we've got Jack Nungy of Iowa, who, who is now at number five, a big, big contributor for the team. Uh, backup big man has a season-ending knee injury, uh, which is really heartbreaking because the season prior, he was out, had to redshirt, uh, have to take a medical redshirt due to another knee injury. So uh, hopefully he's able to get going and play again next year because he was playing at a really high level and it, it was a key contributor to that, to that team. Uh, and we, we've got an interim coach speaking, keep keeping it in coaches. We've got an interim coach, no longer an interim coach. Isaac Brown took over at Wichita State after the Greg Marshall scandal. And he has now been given a five-year deal um, to take over. And he's got his team, right? Battling it out with Kelvin Sampson in Houston and, and the American right off the bat after losing a ton of transfers uh, once Marshall was dismissed, which is one of the more impressive coaching jobs in America, in my opinion. And you're going to see a little bit of a theme here with coaching. We got Leonard Hamilton of Florida State, one of my favorite coaches. And I'll just give a little shameless plug here is I, I did a coach's poll and I highly uh, recommend checking that out and seeing where I had Leonard Hamilton and Roy Williams and, and Scott Drew, all these people that we've mentioned. Uh, fun episode and, and expect more of that from Scott and I in, in our individual segments. Um, Leonard Hamilton got a new, new five-year extension. Uh, getting the recognition he deserves and his team will be headed headed to Indianapolis and that city of Indianapolis is going to relax some COVID restrictions before the tournaments. That is one I want to get your read on because when I read that, that worries me. And uh, I wonder, I wonder if most people be like, wow, it's good because we're heading in the right direction and we are, but I want March Madness to happen so badly. And I almost would rather have zero fans. I know they're doing quarter attendance and, and all these things, but I love the atmosphere of fans, but I'd rather have March Madness than no March Madness. And this feels like a risk to me. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely a risk. And and I think that's kind of the battle that we've been struggling with ever since sports resumed from from when everything shut down due to COVID-19. Um, it's 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 hard. It's it's hard to find the right balance. Um, and I think balance is, is the key word. Um, and, and yeah, it, it would absolutely be devastating if if something like this were to lead to um, March Madness not happening, the Big Ten Conference Championship not happening because that's just a tremendous tournament that's bound to 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 to, to provide a lot of phenomenal matchups. Um, and so, yeah, a lot of opinions, a lot of thoughts. Um, I, I think I think just my my biggest thought is is I would definitely be upset if if it it if it were to hinder any of that happening in any sort of way. But with that being said, we've been dealing with this balance since since the resumed to sports that happened we've seen it in a lot of different sports there was a lot of fans at the super bowl there was fans at national championship for bats for, for for football excuse me and and yeah it's just kind of been the balance 
that that we've been trying to find. Um, I'm reading reports that that the SEC is going to try and have full sellout crowds and in, in come football season. And so um, this is a trend that people are are wanting to have. But I, like all you can say is just continue to exercise caution. There's new strains of the virus out there that that can completely destroy all the progress that we have made over the last few months. So um, I guess that's kind of my just overall thought is, is definitely hesitantly very emphasis on the hesitant, but also you can't help but be a little bit optimistic at the same time. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And, and keeping it on the vein of a tournament, the NIT, which is the tournament for those of you who don't know where, where teams that just missed the, uh, the bubble of the NCAA tournament, or um, and sometimes if you they always get one at large bid per conference for the teams that win their conference but do not win the uh, the postseason tournament in their conference, uh, they get an automatic bid to the NIT. But that this is interesting because the NIT is down to 16 teams that will be played in Texas. So there will be some teams that w- would have probably been having a a tournament to play, whether it be the, the national uh, tournament that we speak of as March Madness or the NIT. Some teams will be left out this year due to COVID. This is just a precaution. And last, last bit of news is uh, Louisville's Malik Williams uh, just returned and was starting to provide a spark for Louisville, and he re-injured his foot and out is, and is out another four to six weeks. Um, this is really, really sad news because he's a senior that is working so hard to play that crunch run and, and revitalize this Louisville team that really needed some upfront help. Um, so I, I'm sad for him and, and also just sad for the Louisville team in general because that's a team with a lot of talent that just seemed to be missing a, a, a defensive anchor that he was he would be a perfect piece for um so that is that is kind of where, where our news has us and is there anything more that you, you want to add or or uh we kind of heading up wrapping here and then heading over to watch some great basketball yeah it's going to be a great night of basketball but um but yeah do you um want to want to give any thoughts of, about your your episode coming out tomorrow any any sneak peeks any any thoughts about what you're going to be doing with with your little special guest or, or you want to keep that close to the, ch- to the chest I'll, I'll give a little shout out um, so yeah, tomorrow, I, usually I'll be working on Tuesday, but I have a guest who is, who I will be talking to. And so we will be pu- putting out for Tulane's Thursday takeover. And I will be talking about contenders and pretenders in the college basketball and the scheme of it, uh, just for this season and who, who myself and my guest, Mark Cundiff, who is a basketball, he, he knows college basketball better than anyone I know. And, uh, we will be trying to discuss, who, who really can make runs outside of the big three of Michigan, uh, Gonzaga, and Baylor, and try to prognosticate some, some selections, not only of who's, where teams will be ranked in the tournament, where, like try to see who can be a Cinderella. There'll be some deep dives that you won't see coming. And also, we're going to try to nail all three All-American teams, which, which is a really tough task because there is such a large committee, but we're going to give it our all, and I hope you guys tune in. It's going to be a great one. I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be one of our first special guests. It's going to be a great time. Um, but so, yeah, make sure to everyone go check that out when, when that airs tomorrow. Uh, excuse me on Thursday. Yeah. Tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and yeah, it's going to be a good time. We're, we're losing track of days. It's been, it's been madness in this little run that we've been on, but we're having fun. Hopefully you all are enjoying it. Make sure to like, subscribe, tune in, follow, um, shout out, give your friends some, some some kind words to, to check us out if they're into sports um, we're just trying to get you the best information that we possibly can we're expanding it's going to be great anyway that's going to do it for us once again that's leaf i'm scott this has been the college sports hive and, and we'll catch you next time have a good one